Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, if you have a Bible, and turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is in the New Testament, the back one-third of your Bible, if you're new to the Bible. And if you go to Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, just keep turning right, and you'll come to a small book that says Ephesians, E-P-H-E-S-I-A-N-S, Ephesians. I'll be in the fourth chapter of that New Testament book. The Apostle Paul is the writer. He is writing a letter to a church in Ephesus. Hence the name Ephesians. In the fourth chapter, in the first verse, he says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, or I urge you, I beg you, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'm going to read three more verses, but how many of you know if you're around people that follow that recipe, you like being around that person? Lowly, gentle, long-suffering, bearing with you, endeavoring to keep unity, peaceful. Then he says this, there is one body... And one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Can you say amen? Amen. My message today is a question, and it's a simple question, simply, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Would you ask that question right now? Who is Jesus? Would you turn and ask someone that near you right now? Who is Jesus? I want you to pray with me one more time, and I want you to pray for two things to happen right now. Everyone look right here at Pastor. Two things I want you to ask God for. Number one is that God would reveal to all of us who he is, that revelation will come in this house today. And I will just give you a little spoiler alert. God wants us to know who he is. Reveal who he is to us. Secondly, that he will show who he is through his power today. That he will show through who he is through his power today today. Would you pray for those two things with me right now? Would you lift up your voice? Jesus, I thank you for this great service. I thank you for this great church. What a privilege it is, God, to be among God's people and to open up the sacred scriptures again. Lord, it's something that I do not come with any arrogance or any presumption today. Lord, I simply come as a servant trying to communicate what you have deposited into my spirit. I pray, Lord, that you will reveal who you are to every single person in this room today. I ask that every individual, regardless of our background, God, will see you for who you really are. I pray for the revealing power of the word to be witnessed among us, Lord. I pray that you will also show your power and what you can do among your people. And we thank you for doing these two things. We're claiming them and we're agreeing in prayer over them. In the name of Jesus. 
And everyone would just say amen. 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 You may be seated. God bless you. Keep your Bible close if you would. Jesus has been acclaimed by some as the greatest religious leader who ever lived. To that I would say, amen. Others, including myself, believe that Jesus was the most influential person to have ever lived on our planet. I believe that today. To prove that, and I'm just getting started, but to prove that, I want you to think about everything that we are doing today that is predicated on Jesus being influential. You know, for some, it takes quite an effort to get up out of bed. And I'm not meaning this as a funny statement right now. For some, it takes quite an effort for you to get out of bed and, and get dressed and come to the house of the Lord. Some in this room, you came, and, and full disclosure, if you were honest today with me, you would tell me, I'm not feeling 100%. But there's something in your spirit. And there's something inside of you that says, I need to be in the church house today. I need to come and worship Jesus today. And so Jesus, this in my aspect, in my thinking, the most influential person to have ever lived, still influences people today. He still influences actions today. He still influences ways of thinking. Others would say of this Jesus that he is unique to the degree that no one can be compared to him. There is nobody like Jesus. There is no equal to Jesus. There is no world power as great as Jesus. There is no prime minister, celebrity, movie star, sports figure, president, vice president. There is no dictator like Jesus. There really is nobody like Jesus. But the real test of what one thinks of Jesus must resolve today around who he claimed to be, what he said about himself, and what he accomplished during his brief few years here on the earth. And so I am asking you politely and yet boldly today to please not come at this sermon with preconceived ideas of what we know Jesus to be, but rather through the word of God, perhaps the Lord with his power. I'll take that word out, not perhaps the Lord. I believe God is going to allow many people in this room to see Jesus in a way we've never seen him before. Perhaps it serves us well when asking the question, who is Jesus, to ask this question first. Who is God? Maybe that's the better question to start off this sermon. Who is God? Well, 
In order to answer the question of who God is, I unashamedly will point us to what the Bible says about who God is. Because I have not come today to preach out of my brain or even my heart. I've come to preach from that book right there. Because I found out a long time ago, you can anchor your soul to that book. You can put your family behind that book. You can trust your finances to that book. You and I can live our lives based on the precepts and the commands and the truth found in that word. So if I want to know who God is, then I need to go to the scripture. What does the Bible say? First of all, everybody say first of all. The Bible teaches that God is one. There is one God. He's not one God because I said he's one God. He's one God because the Bible says he's one God. In the very first few pages of scripture, Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse 1, the Lord said this is the commandment and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord says, if you'll get a hold of the commands and the words that I'm getting ready to speak to you, there's going to be a blessing on your life. It's going to be well with you. You're not just going to add to your influence. There's going to be a multiplication of God's goodness and God's greatness in your life. I'm going to bring you into a place not of scarcity, but of bounty and of blessing. But you have to hear what I'm getting ready to say to you. And so he follows this challenge to follow his command. With this simple declaration, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Bible does not teach a plurality of gods. The Bible does not teach polytheism or many gods. The Bible does not teach that it want, when it comes to the true living God, there's a multiplicity of choices. But the Bible unashamedly and unequivocally says, when you're talking about God, when you're talking about the God of glory, when you're talking about the God of eternity, that God is one. There is no other God beside him. There is no other God above him. There is no other God but that God. God is one. Say it with me. God is one. The Bible also answers the question, who is God, by revealing to us that God is spirit. 
Jesus is sitting at a well, as found in John chapter 4, talking to a woman. And she said, yeah, there's coming a day when we're going to worship the Father. And Jesus says in response to that, if you knew, if you knew who you were talking to right now. He said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In the very essence and nature of God, God is spirit. Now this ought to excite somebody in this house. Let me tell you why. Because if God is not spirit, then he can be confined to right here. And if God is bound by limitations, that means he can be here, but he can't be there. But because he is spirit, he can be in Cabot on a Sunday morning at New Life Church ministering to his people. But he can also be over in Ukraine stretching out his arms over people, protecting them. God is one, but God is also spirit. Oh, I think we ought to praise God right now. I feel faith rising in this house. Come on, church. He's one. The Bible says that. He's spirit. The Bible says that. Spirit, spirit is a simple essence devoid of all or at least all grosser matter and possessed of the power of knowing, desiring, deciding, and acting. By nature, a spirit is limitless. A spirit is invisible. That's why when scripture teaches us in John chapter 1 and verse 18, it is correct. No one has seen God at any time. Why? Because he's spirit. So he's spirit. The Bible is clear on that. Thirdly, God is active. He's not latent. Whew. I feel like I'm going to explode today. Oh, just let me explode in front of you, all right? He's active. He's not latent. He's not on vacation. He's not sleeping today. He's not just biding time till he comes and splits the eastern sky. He is active today. He is active in the church today. He's active in our lives today. He's active in every person's life that wants him to be active. He is described in various terms which identify his functions, multifaceted, biblically. Listen, biblically, God is not parsed and God is not divided. He's one. However, all throughout scripture, he is shown to people. He is manifested to people. Let me give you a Bible for this. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Whoever just said that hallelujah, that went through me right there. Hallelujah for that. He is an active God. He is a manifested God. He shows up in the lives of the people of 
God, is there anybody in this house that maybe in the last seven days or 14 days or 30 days, you prayed to an invisible God and that invisible God manifested himself, showed up in your midst. He's active. He's active. He's working. He's touching. He's min Hey, he's doing it right now. He's touching you right now while the word is being preached. There's something about this active God. Just look over at somebody and say, he's an active God. He's an active God. And so the scripture begins to use terms to define him and show him. He is called Father. This is more than a respectful paternal term, but rather a descriptive title of God's relationship with the human race and his function as a creator. Fathers create. My dad, Pop, would you stand for just a second? Stand up if you would. This is my dad. In case you don't know, this is my father. I love my dad. <clears throat> now, please forgive the simplicity right here. No, keep standing, Pop. I'm sorry. Keep standing. <laughs> I don't know what you call your dad. I call my dad Daddy. I've called him that my whole life. I suppose in, in real serious times, I could call him Father, Father. But do you know why he's my father? It's not because I simply call him my father. It's because I came from him. He had a part in creating me. And fathers create. It is more than a paternal term. It is more than just a nice, soft, easy term. It's, it's a creative role. Genesis chapter 1. Thank you, Pop. You can be seated. Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He's called Father. He's called Holy Spirit. This is a term or a title which describes the empowering function of God in the world even today. It's the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and verse number 8, Jesus said to his followers, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. I want you to know today that Jesus was speaking to those followers at a time of great oppression and persecution. Church history will tell us that from that time on, the early church was persecuted in a magnificent way. But folks, can I tell you what's going to keep us strong in the midst of persecution? It's not going to be just because we have a membership at a local church. It's going to be because we have been born of the Spirit. There has been a Holy Spirit endowment upon our life. And that Holy Spirit is God's empowering for us. It is His regeneration for us. The term son is used to describe this God, a term which speaks of the function of God in redeeming mankind from sin. This is why the scripture says, and I just read this, God was manifest in the flesh. Why Jesus? Because man needed a savior. 
And in the Old Testament, when someone needed rescue from a debt, the Bible says that the law of the kinsman redeemer would come into play. You know what had to happen according to the law of Moses for a kinsman redeemer? It had to be a person related to that person who knew them and would come and pay their debt and set them free. Oh, couldn't God just give an edict from heaven and ransom mankind and set mankind free? No. Why? Jesus came as a baby in the form of a man. God was manifest in the flesh to come in the same form that you and I have today to redeem us from the penalty of sin, to redeem us from the anguish of sin and all of its penalties. Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 4, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear, behold your God. Everyone say, my God. Your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. God will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the dumb will sing. For water shall birth forth in the wilderness. And streams in the desert. Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus would walk the dusty shores of Galilee said. When God comes. Blind eyes are going to be open and deaf ears are going to be unstopping. The lame are going to leap and the, the dumb tongue is going to start. When God shows up, miracles are going to take place and the supernatural power of God is going to be on display. It's as though Isaiah is saying, look for the miracle worker. Because when you see this happening, this is proof that God is among you and God is there to save you. Look for this Messiah. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Quite simply, according to Scripture, Jesus is God. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born. Whew. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name, whose name? The child's name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the same Isaiah that talked about the blind eyes being open and the deaf ears being unstopped and the, the, the tongue being loosed and the lame leaping and, and shouting for joy. That same prophet said, there's going to be a child born one day. And the government's going to be on his shoulders. And let me tell you about this child. His name's going to be wonderful. That means Jesus is going to be wonderful. Jesus is going to be counselor. Jesus is going to be the mighty God. Jesus is the everlasting father. Jesus is the prince of peace. Jesus wasn't a part of God. Jesus was and is God according to the scripture. Let me give you another verse. The angel showed up to Joseph 
And he said in Matthew 1 and 21, she's going, your wife's going to bring forth a son and you're going to call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child. This is Isaiah 7 and 14. And bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. God with us. I like what one version says, with us, here's God. Hallelujah. He was and is God. Jesus was also fully man. We got to get this. We can't miss this. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We feel cold. He felt cold. If you're like me right now, I feel hot. He felt hot. He felt anguish just like I feel anguish. He felt forsaken just like I feel forsaken. And yet it is the miracle of this God-man. Humanity because he was born of a woman. But deity because his mother Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Temporal flesh because John 3.16 says that Jesus' flesh was begotten or born. And that flesh died on a cross. But also eternal spirit which resurrected that temporal body on the third day. Have you ever thought about this? This is why Jesus could be thirsty. But he could also look at the woman at the well and say, If you ever realize who I am, I'll give you water to drink that you will never thirst again. He can be the shepherd and also, as the Gospels say, the door of the sheepfold. He can be a baby in a manger and be the great I am at the same time. He is the God man. He is fully God. He is fully man. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and 9, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the completeness of who God is was in Jesus Christ. The Hebrew writer said this Savior, this Jesus, is the express image of God's own person or substance. Now there are so many verses in the scripture that are just marvelous to me when we discover who Jesus is. John 14 in verse number seven, and I'm coming to a close. I, I wasn't going to preach a long time today because I feel like the Lord will take his word, take the truth that's being declared, and then he will allow his, his word to bring about a confirmation of his power. John chapter 14 and verse number seven. If you had known me, this is Jesus speaking, you would have known my father also. And from now on, everyone say from now on. Watch this. You know him and you have seen him. Whoa. Tap the brakes, pastor. You, got, you just got done preaching that no man has seen God at any time. Yes, I did. The Bible says that. But Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen who the Father is. You couldn't see him before, but now, through my life, 
You have seen the Father. Philip just didn't get it. If you've ever been in a group of people where someone just didn't get it, join the crowd. Because in response to that truth, Philip says this in verse number 8, Lord, show us the Father. Just look at your neighbor and go, duh. Show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, and this was a nice little to Philip, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? I'm standing right here. Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father in me, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Oh, I got a challenge for all of us in this room right now. Believe. Believe today. That Jesus was in the Father, and the Father was in Jesus. Or just believe it for what you see Jesus doing. To further show this one God, Revelation chapter 22, and this is a powerful, powerful verse. Verse number one, he showed me a pure river of water. John is getting his revelation, by the way. The Bible says that the book of Revelation is not just revelation of things to come. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John said, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And There shall be no more curse, watch this, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. Watch verse 4. They shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads. The Bible teaches that there is one throne in heaven. It's the throne of God, and it's also described as the throne of the Lamb. In case you're thinking, I've heard of that before. I've heard about this Lamb thing. Yeah, you heard about that because it was John the Baptist who looked at a man stumbling down the path and looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Who was he talking to? He was talking to and about Jesus Christ. When you and I get to heaven, we're not going to see a polytheistic throne. We're not going to see multiple thrones. We're not going to see multiple gods. The Bible tells us we're going to see one throne, and there is one sitting on that throne. He is called the Lamb of God. He has one name, and his name will be exalted. There is one throne in heaven. Jesus is going to be sitting on that throne. Praise God. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. I 
I took great note of this sermon that I was preparing for this service today in light of these two wonderful young men that were water baptized today. When Pastor Jace took Joshua to that water, he didn't just baptize him, just to baptize him. But he spoke a name over him. And it was the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the name of the great God and Savior that we worship. It's the name of the one that spoke to his disciples and said, All power and authority is in me. The authority to wash away Joshua Mercado's sins was not in the name of Jay Slumpkins, but it was in the name of Jesus Christ. There is power in that name. You say it really doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it matters. Because if you want access to my bank account, number one, you're going to have a fight on your hands, first of all. But if you want access to my bank account, you're going to have to find out how I sign my name. You can't come up to the bank. Don't even try it tomorrow. Don't get your best Tim Gaddy impersonation and go through that bank drive through Say, I'd like to withdraw $1,000 out of Tim Gary's account. You want to know why? Because all day long I could list all the different roles that I have in my life, but that doesn't give you access. The thing that gives you and me access to my account is my name. So it does matter what name we pray in. It does matter what name we're baptized in. It does matter because the name of Jesus is the revealed name of the one true living God. And so at risk of some of you having heard this a long time, if you have not been water baptized in the name of Jesus, please be baptized today in the name of Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask some of our ministry team just to join us up here at the front and small group leaders and our pastoral team and your spouses. I want you to come and uh, I want you to help me. We're going to, we're going to pray for people right now. And I really feel like that there's going to be a, a demonstration of God's power. There is this unique connection between the word preached and the action of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I will just preface this prayer time by saying to every person here if you're new to prayer as far as this kind of prayer you can relax look at pastor nobody's going to push you down no one's going to give you a back rub no one's going to embarrass you but the bible talks about two or three agreeing in prayer and the power that comes when we agree in prayer now, just to tie this sermon in with what we're going to pray about right now, I will direct your attention to the book of Acts, chapter 4, where Peter and John have just spoken faith over a man at the temple who was lame in his legs. And he was asking alms of them, begging for money. And they looked at him and they said, we don't have anything. We don't have what you're wanting. Silver and gold, we don't have that. But such as we have... We're going to give it to you right now. 
And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that that lame man jumped up and was leaping and rejoicing and praising God. Now, you would think that that society would be such that they would just be so in awe and so pleasantly happy that this lame man is finally not going to be begging anymore. He's, 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 he's well. But that really pressed the religious elite of the day. The Bible says that they threw Peter and John into custody. And it came to pass, Acts 4 and 5, on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, they asked, watch what they asked. This is Acts 4 and 7. By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he was made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel. In other words, we're not ashamed of this right now. Let me tell you exactly how this man is standing whole right now. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. How's my situation going to change? It's going to change by the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. So here's my commitment to every person that would like prayer today. When we come and we pray, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. And we're going to ask God to heal your body in the name of Jesus. We're going to ask God to touch your mind in the name of Jesus. We're going to ask God to supply whatever the need is. And we're going to pray it by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me right now? Lord, all across this room... I pray that you would let us all step into what you have for us right now. God, this could be a moment of destiny for somebody right now that is going to be healed. And so by the authority of the word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ, I lose healing and I speak healing over this house right now, Lord. Just as Peter and John experienced it at the temple on that day, I pray that your miraculous healing power, Jesus, would be on display and make people whole today. And I'm thanking you for it in advance, and I speak that by faith, agreeing with brothers and sisters in the power that is in your name, in Jesus' name. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, I want you to come. If you have a healing in your body that you need, I want you to come. If you have something in your mind you need freed from, I want you to come. I want you to come and just stand in front of one of these people here. We're going, to, we're going to pray in just a minute. Don't, don't start praying yet. We're going to give a little instruction here, but I want you to come. There's people coming from all over the sanctuary. Amen. Come on. You don't have to be a member here. You just have a need. You got something you need the Lord to work in your life. I want you to pray. I want you to pray with us. Okay, we're not going to start praying yet. I want to give a little bit of instruction here. All right. Everybody, 
All of our team that came up here just a moment ago, would you look at Pastor? I'm going to need your help because there's more people coming for prayer than are you right now. So after you pray for someone, I'm going to ask you to pray for someone else. And I'll also say this. If you're here and you, God has used you to pray for people, I want to invite you to come and join and help us pray for people here today. So I want you to come. I want you to come. And if you feel that, you feel that unction in the Lord to help us pray. First of all, first of all, everybody listen right here. I want you to find out what we're praying for first. If it's personal, you don't have to, we're not going to embarrass anybody. But if you can tell what we're praying for, that gives us a little bit of target in the prayer. So would you take just a moment and maybe just share what it is we're praying for. If you're sick in your body, you got pain in your body, just talk to, to them. Here's where I need prayer. Here's what I need. Once you've done that, I wish you would lift up your voice with me right now. We're going to pray by the authority of the Word of God. Yes, Lord, let your healing take place right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, it's going to happen in the name of Jesus. It's going to happen in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. Your power, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Revelation in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit today. You can be touched. You can be delivered. You can be ministered to. That's it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're standing next to somebody that needs prayer, go ahead and pray with them right now. Go ahead and pray with them right now. Go ahead and let the Spirit of the Lord minister through you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Show your power, Lord. Show your anointing, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 